All right, let's gather in so we can get started on our testimony service. We're going to take the testimonies in the order in which they are printed in your bulletin. Uh, I did get word that Larry Norris is not able to be with us. His back is bothering him so much he can't uh, be in the service today. That is a shame. I know he'd like to be here. But um, anyway, we will we will proceed. And what I'm going to do is um, I'll introduce four testimonies, and then we'll have a song or something, and then I'll introduce the next four. So just a word about each one. Not much, of course. Uh, the first testimony will be from James Dunn. Where is James? Okay, he's over here. Um, James is one of our charter members. James was part of the church in, in the beginning in 1973. He became our first minister of youth when he was preparing for ministry at Piedmont Bible College in Winston-Salem, going there uh, part of the day and, and serving the church the other part. Went to... Um, Bolivia is a missionary, and then when health forced them home, went to Tennessee, to Saudi Daisy, Tennessee, and planted a Baptist church, and he's still there. So we're glad for that, and he'll, you'll hear his testimony in a moment. Uh, Randy Counts is a charter member. He lives now in Florida. His father, Gerald, was so instrumental in the beginning of our church, and of course his mother, May, is still living and is part of the church. Marie Cardwell has been with us almost from the beginning. She didn't make it uh, at, at the opening, but she came early in the years at um, Trail 8 and Moran Street and has been part of the church all of these years. And then Greg Phillips will be the fourth one in the first group. Uh, Greg and Sue Ann have been coming for 39 years from Greenville, South Carolina. I'm astounded. I am blessed. Um, I asked him to give a testimony. I said, there must be something keeping you coming all these years because it can't be that you enjoy driving. It just can't be that. <laughs> so every weekend they come up and minister to us with music and so many other things. Greg is so gifted. So you'll hear from him and then we'll... Oh, I've asked them, Greg and Sue Ann, to sing Jesus Loves Me. I just needed to hear it at least one more time. I hope this won't be the last time, but um, some of you will remember Millard Tate, the Presbyterian elder that worshipped with us for years until the Lord took him home, and he told us that this was his favorite song. He was a deep theologian, but his favorite song was, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And um, did you sing it at his funeral? I'm thinking you did, yeah. All right, so that's where we're going with the first batch of testimonies. But we'll begin, find the first hymn, and after that we'll be led in prayer by Pastor Rick Lesh, who was an associate pastor here for 13 years. Such a significant part of our church, and now he's pastoring in Florida. So he's going to say a word and also... Uh, open the service in prayer. But first of all, the perfect righteousness of God. Let's stand together as we sing. 
join me as we thank God for his grace. Father, we thank you for what you've done, and it is you that have done it, not we ourselves. We are delighted to rejoice. You've given us this opportunity, and as we linger a moment throughout these testimonies, may our hearts be filled with praise as you have made your wonders known among us through the word of our powerful God. Bless this time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, to those who were at Beacon in 1983, in fact, come August of this year, 40 years ago, all I can please ask you and say to you is thank you. Thank you for putting up with a guy fresh out of seminary who didn't really know a whole lot, but I had my notes close by. But I'm grateful, grateful for the privilege, grateful for how God has so moved among you as a people in our life. It's been a journey. It has been a journey. I look out and I think of so many things, but I can't, I can't go any further without giving praise to our God for, for Pastor B. Um, he, uh, he taught me a few things. Most of all, he taught me with two things. He taught me about the grace of God. And I am for et- eternally grateful for the fact that God used him to show me the glories of his grace. Uh, salvation became so much more thrilling when you learn all that God has done in and through 
uh, his glorious redemption through Christ alone. And then I'm thankful for how God used Greg Markman to teach me what preaching is, expositional preaching, uh, preaching the word, and seeing God do the work. And if Gerald Counts were here, I would say to him, thank you, Gerald, for teaching me how to love my wife. He used to call me baby-o. Hey, baby-o. Sweetest words. I saw Gerald Counts cherish the love of his life. And that made a profound impact on me. So to my wife, Nancy, baby-o, what a gift she's been. Well, God is blessed in so many ways, and time would not permit. But can I just say this? God's so faithful. He's given us his word in a world and culture of chaos. I'm privileged to pastor a church. The average age is 80 years old. I mean, it's walkers in wheelchairs every week. <laughs> and you know, God's word does an phenomenal work in the hearts and lives of those folks who are so cemented in their routine, so cemented in their traditions. But verse by verse, Sunday by Sunday, God's word is working in the lives of those, those, those ones. And it's our prayer that God has put us there to shepherd them, to love on them, to share the glories of the gospel, and to help them finish well by the grace and glory of our God. Well, thank you for the memories. It's like coming home, seeing so many of you. Thank you for your kind reception, and great thank you. I sure do love you. Good morning again. You could say good morning. Wow. I've got my handkerchief too. It is a joy, a privilege, an honor to be back here after 50 years. I can't believe 50 years. Amazing. So many memories. The verse the Lord has laid on my heart is this. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is God, folks. You know that. The hand of God, the work of God, the blessings of God. I do praise his name. I'm thankful for the time that I had here at, at, uh, at Beacon to be a part of all that's taking place here. Let me give you a little bit of background, though, so that you'll know where I'm coming from and where I, where I am, where we are at this point. My wife and I, Brenda and I, came to Burlington in June of 1970. Now, I know I don't look that old. I didn't hear any amens. I just finished college. I have a degree in electrical engineering, and I came to uh, work at Western Electric and pursue a career in electrical engineering. We brought with us our two baby twin boys, uh, just three months old they were in the back of this car and they, they brought it with us and so we came here to pursue a life and a career as an electrical engineer uh, my oldest son is here somewhere he came in in the last few moments I have he's he's here with us I have five children I have 19 grandchildren 
or my wife and I have 19 grandchildren. <laughs> and we have, can't believe this, seven great-grandchildren. Woe is right. <laughs> Woe is right. What was that? <laughs> we had a plans to be an engineer all of our lives and so forth, and but God changed our that our lives. In 1972, God called me to preach, and uh, I received that call. My engineering career was over with. I resigned from my from Western Electric, and I said, "I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to be a preacher." They said, "You're crazy." I had to give up my salary, but it was the, was the Lord's leadership. One of the first couples that we met when we were arrived in Burlington and ended up down in Alamance, uh, we met this couple called Gerald and May Counts. Do anybody know them? Wow, they befriended us immediately, uh, drew us into his little Sunday school class in the basement where nobody would find them. We were a young couple, knew the Lord, knew what, knew what God wanted us to do, but we were just, just young couples. They mentored us, they established us in a lot of biblical truth and helped us a great deal. Uh, we'll be forever grateful for their, for their ministry in our own personal lives. And then along that way, there was a group of believers who decided we needed a strong, solid Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And... Uh, we decided that was what we needed and so forth. And a, a young man came to be the pastor. Much younger version of the one here this morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are indeed charter members, but that's not neither here nor there. I found myself in a position of ministering within the church. I was a Bible college student at the same time I was ministering. It was a delight. It was a delight. I helped with the youth, had a number of teens that, that I enjoyed being with, uh, served them and they served and I uh, saw them grow up in the Lord and so forth and uh, still maintain contacts with them. Some of them are even here, I think here today, still here. It was exciting ministry to see them grow up. You know what though? They've grown up. Uh, these teenagers that I had, I call them my teens, they've grown up, uh, they have become parents and some of them Bless their hearts, have become grandparents already. So that makes me feel even older, but that's all right. We also worked with the uh, bus ministry at that time. And I even led congregational singing. Brother, before you got here, they replaced me. <laughs> but it was a joy to do that. Well, as, our, as Greg said, the Lord then called us to the mission field. As exciting as the ministry here, we thought we were going to stay, but God called us to the mission field. We went to Bolivia. And served the Lord there for a short period of time. Uh, Beacon was always supportive of us, both uh, in their prayers and financial. If I needed something, I'd pick up the phone. Well, we didn't pick up the phone back those days, but I'd get some kind of communication back to Pastor Barkman, and they would meet the church would meet our needs, and we're thankful for that. Our ministry was cut short because we needed to come home. My wife had some health issues, and we just could not return, and so we came home, unsure of what the Lord had us would have us to do. What do you want us to do, Lord? We sought the Lord's will, went different places and so forth. And the Lord spoke to our hearts and said, I want you to start a church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You know how many churches are in Chattanooga, Tennessee? And I said, Lord, are you, are you sure? I'm not. 
And I can take you to the place while I was driving one day and the Lord assured me that if it was his will, then he would, uh, that's exactly what he wanted us to do. So we uh, did that really based on the same premises and principles that we learned here at Beacon. We wanted to preach the, go the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to do it uh, purposefully and strongly and powerfully. We want to edify the saints and evangelize the lost. We want to be, reach the community for the Lord. And so we began the LifeGate Baptist Church there in the outskirts of Chattanooga. We've been there 40 plus years. That's amazing as well. By the way, you made the comment about missions. Our first Sunday, our first Sunday, and meeting in, actually meeting in a storefront, I said, here's what we're going to do the first Sunday. We're going to set aside 10% of all of our, our general fund giving for missions. <laughs> Uh, just the same thing I learned when I was here at uh, Beacon, and we continue to support missions through the years. Now, how does that relate to other things? Brent and I grew spiritually here at Beacon. We grew out of the consistent, faithful preaching of God's word by Pastor Barkman, the teaching and ministry of many of those that, are, that were here at that time. And we grew. We were just a young couple. We didn't know a whole lot, so we, we grew tremendously. Many of my convictions and beliefs were kind of solidified and established as I listened to God's word and said, okay, I need to believe that. Yeah, that's the right thing and so forth. And so I, I was, we were grounded here in the God's word here at uh, Beacon, and I'm thankful for that. I did learn some things. <laughs> By the way, I'm still learning. How about you? I've not arrived. I'm still learning, both as a Christian, as a pastor as well. I learned... Brother, I learned from observation the importance of solid Bible preaching. I've also learned that it takes some study to do that. You just don't get them in the pulpit, and I don't. Uh, you got to study. There's a thorough study of God's word, of the wording, the wording, the very words, and so forth, and then standing and preaching the power of the Spirit of God. I can't do it. God can only do that. The focus of our church at LifeGate is preaching the word of God, sharing the grace of God in salvation, uh, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I learned here. And that's what we want to do. We continue to do at LifeGate. I also learned a lot about church administration. I didn't learn that at Piedmont Bible College, where I was going to Bible College at that time. I learned that from observing the leadership of the church in those days, from Pastor Bargman and from the others that were in leadership position. And I'm telling you, it really helped me we were in South America. We established a couple of churches there. We needed that administration, although it's in a different culture. It was still uh, very important to do those things. And when the Lord led us to organize and establish the LifeGate Baptist Church there in Chattanooga, those same, those same uh, principles were helpful as we established the church there and, and began to grow in the Lord. So we're thankful for that. There's things I learned, and, and I learned it here in observation as I, as I observed the pastor. I also learned the need and responsibility of godly leadership. As a pastor, I'm not a perfect pastor, none of us are, but we want to be an example to the people that we minister to. We want to stand forth for them, and, and we're all moving toward being like Christ Jesus. In the image of Christ, God is conforming us, and so we want to move together, encourage our whole church to, to move. Let's, let's move together as we, we pursue Christ and seek to be like the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I learned that, I, and, I, and I want that to continue in our church. I also learned that the need to continuous, continuously pray for God's power and leadership. I don't want to step out of God's will. How about you? 
I want to be right in the center of God's will. And so we pray about God's leadership. We don't just jump into things. We want God's will to be done. We want to exalt the Lord Jesus. We want God to be pleased in what we do. So we, we, we do that. I believe in miracles. Do you not? I believe God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We've had some troubles in our church. We've had some folks in very serious condition, but God is able, folks. God is able. And uh, if he so chooses to heal, praise God. Had a man tell me, if God chooses not to heal me, preacher, praise God. So we praise God. God is in charge. I don't question God's leadership. He knows what's best for me. He knows what's best for our church. Beacon was our home for many years. You understand that? This is, this is home. It really is. Uh, it's a very special place in our hearts. And although we are separated by miles and years at this point, we so much appreciate the ministry here of Beacon Baptist Church, what it meant for us in those days, but what it continues to do so. 50 years. 50 years. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, I understand that... Uh, Preachers don't stay that long in most churches anymore. Did you know that? They move. I, I tell folks, folks ask me, well, why haven't you moved? I said, nobody will have me. I'm going to stay where I am a little. The Lord wants me to stay, so I'm going to stay. The people of Beacon have blessed us in many ways through the years and friendships. We have come back from time to time. Of course, there's many faces that we do not know. You do not know me, but there's some familiar faces. And your friendship and and uh, support and prayers at different times have been a blessing to us. And we are indeed thankful for, uh, for, for you folks. We're also thankful that Beacon is still standing for truth. I'm amazed at our country right now. I'm amazed at the evilness, the immorality, the things that are going on. And if we as believers in church do not stand for truth against the issues of the day, what's going to happen? So it, I, I, I'm glad and appreciate that Beacon is still standing strong. And I want to stand strong. I want to stand strong and, and speak up for truth and righteousness as God so leads us. I would encourage you, Beacon Baptist Church, to stand strong, to stand fast in the Lord. Get that shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit and use it for the glory of God. Follow the Lord's leadership. Follow your pastor. Follow how God leads him. Obey the Lord. Preach truth. Exalt Christ. What else, what else can we do in this life but exalt the Lord Jesus Christ? He is to be preeminent in all that we do, and we exalt him. We're thankful, folks. We're thankful for Beacon Baptist Church. I'm thankful for the ministry uh, of Pastor Barkman and the time that we spent here. I learned, I learned a lot. And a lot of that is in practice even in our church, and I'm thankful for that. To God be the glory. Great things, what? He has done. I haven't done it. God has. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the opportunity to share. Love you. God bless you. All right, hang on to your seats. Um, my wife and I, I, I'm not no eloquent public speaker, so I might flub some words. No, um, 
people down in the south. My wife and I have been in South Florida for six, eight years now almost, and people down there, them folks down there can't understand a word I say hardly. <laughs> and I, I tell them all the time, I listen, I'm just a redneck from North Carolina. You're going to have to deal with it. So, so um, y'all have to pay, just pay a little bit of attention. So. Anyway, where can I? Well, I know two things that's happened in the last 50 years. Pastor Bartwell's hair has gotten white. <laughs> and my belly's gotten fat. So, so anyway, anyway, back in the early, late 60s, early 70s, um, two small mustard seeds were planted. And, um, Mustard seeds that have taken root really good. But uh, mom, I remember mom, May Counts, and Betty Vestal befriended Mr. Early Hill over here. He lived in an old shack over here. And um, Betty used to cook for him and take food from the garden over there. And mom, mom would clean the house. And I remember, and I'll go over there, and mom would take me over there, and I would mow his yard for him. He gave me $10, and I remember going in the house after I mowed the yard one day, and Mom was, the house was a mess, open cans, stink, dishes piled up with food, and Mr. Hill was sitting in his chair, and Mom was on the floor washing his feet and cutting his toenails. And I thought, as an eight-year-old, nine, 10-year-old boy, how gross. Man, and this was, these weren't just regular toenails, these were old, yellow-looking toenails, and she was washing his feet and cutting his toenails, uh, and, and she's done it, and she did that many, many times, and, um, and um, the Lord used those two women in Mr. Hill's life, and behind the scenes, they would do this, nobody knowing, and um, before Mr. Hill died, he sold us eight, eight, eight acres of land the first eight acres landed where this church building is sitting on now. And if it wasn't for them two women, I don't think, well, I'm 100% sure this church building wouldn't be sitting here now. So praise God for the mustard seeds that you can plant and see how they grow. And now as my, um, my personal testimony, I can remember around the eight, age of eight or nine church down here, First Baptist Church of Alamance, I remember going forward during an altar call on a Sunday morning and then was baptized that Sunday night. I thought I was saved because of something I did all through high school and all through my college. I based my salvation on something I did. And as I look back over that time, all I can say is, what a stupid idiot fool I was folks we have let me we have a major major malfunction when we start hearing terms like I asked Jesus into my heart I accepted Jesus as my savior I went forward during an altar call to repeat some sinner's prayer I made a decision for Christ I was baptized I I I I did this or I did that Folks, we have to remember, I ain't done nothing. It's capital H-E, he, it's Christ, and nothing else. Jesus paid it all. 
all to him I owe. <clears throat> and two of my heroes of faith, my Shirley, my, my late dad for sure, was one of my heroes. And then the second one has to be Pastor Bartman. And I praise God for Pastor Bartman and his faithful teaching and preaching of God's word for 50 years now. I've sat on these pews for years and years, and I've heard hundreds and hundreds of messages from Pastor Bartman. Praise God, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I've realized it only takes a microsecond for the Holy Spirit to regenerate a sinner. And when that microsecond took place in my life, I'm not exactly sure. But this one thing I do know is when the Holy Spirit imparted spiritual life into my wicked, ungodly, hell-deserving, sinful soul, something major happened. I wasn't able to see. The Holy Spirit enabled me to see my wicked sinfulness. And the only thing I could do was to acknowledge my sin, repent of my sin, and to flee to the cross of Christ and cry out to him, Oh God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And by faith, believing in him as my Lord, my Savior, and my Redeemer. Praise the sovereign God of the universe that in eternity past, he had a perfect plan. And that plan was to provide a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when we wicked, ungodly, hell-deserving sinners are plunged beneath its flood, we will, praise God, we will lose our guilty stains. My salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and for the glory of God alone, and nothing else. Praise God, I say I once was blind, but now, praise God, I now see now, as I've gotten older in my life, I've realized even more and more how sinful and wicked I really am and how more precious, and how more precious the grace of God has become. And I hate to admit it, but I still struggle and fight this old sinful man Every day, and if you don't believe me, you can just ask my wife. But as a child of God, I know that I'm 100% righteous before the eternal God only because he sees the righteousness of Christ on my behalf. We who, are called our, who call ourselves Christians must be repenting Christians, confessing Christians, believing Christians, and persevering Christians until we take our last last breath. All right, one more other thing. Over the, these 50 years, this is my opinion now, but over these 50 years, the best thing that Pastor Bartman has ever did for this church, and he mentioned this in his message a little bit, but um, back in 1999-2000, he did the expository through the Book of Romans, and I was, I was loving it. I was sitting there just paying great attention and, and taking everything in each Sunday through the book of Romans. And then he got to chapter 9 and the brakes just stopped. And he started preaching on the election and 
the doctrines of grace and sovereignty of God. And I sit there and listen and listen week after week, taking it all in. And then I remember asking, I went and asked Dad, I said, Dad, what in the world is Pastor Bartman talking about? Has he, I have never heard this before in my life. Has he gone crazy? And Dad just calmly said, Son, just keep listening to the preaching of the Word of God. And if you have questions, ask. So Pastor Bartman had a question box out there. I remember, you remember that? Had the question box, and I put a few questions in there, and he would preach Sunday morning. And Sunday night, he would answer the questions that was in the box. So that helped out a lot. But I, we kept on, I kept on listening, and it was great. And, um, but it made me cause, it made me think of my salvation. Was I truly saved? It made me question my salvation and this election process, the thing. And, um, and, um, so I got thinking, why am I saved? Or am I, am I, am I his elect? Uh, what in the world is going on? And, um, so I asked dad again, I said, dad, I don't, I don't know if I'm saved or if, how do I know if I'm his elect or am I his elect? I mean, Pastor Department's been preaching this for the last six months, a year, and I, what's, I mean, this election stuff's really got me confused. And Dad, with his calm voice, said, Son, you are asking the wrong question. He said, Are you trusting and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only way to heaven as your Lord and Savior? I said, Dad, I'm trusting him and him alone and nothing else. As my Lord and Savior. And Dad goes, Well, son, you're his elect. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it no more. And it ain't, ain't bothered me a bit since then. But I love, I love the preaching of his word here over these years. And, and praise God, he used the Holy Spirit to open my sinful wickedness and show me my need of salvation. And I, I know I'm taking a little bit longer, but I want to, um, two visitors we have tonight, today. Two special visitors. And you're, most of you, some of you are going to know, hope, hopefully a lot of you will know, so please listen.
Are you a child of the king? I hope so. Pastor Barman, I love you, brother. Thank you for all you've done. It's church. Randy had to make me cry. <laughs> I miss those two ladies. Well, this is a terrifying place to stand, if you don't know that. So, 50 years ago, I was certainly not a charter member. 50 years ago, I was in a very dark place. There was nothing wrong that you could see with my life, but I was lost. I told Larry if we could just find a good church. I was already in the church, and there was never a time in my life when I had not been in church. But by God's kind grace, I knew there was something missing that I had not found. So he came home from work and told me that we had been invited to come to Beacon Baptist Church. Well, that is not what I wanted to hear. Um, I was well taught in the necessity of good works. And I knew that was not a Baptist doctrine. But I had said we'd go, so I didn't say anything to him, and we went. We came the very first harvest day in November of 1973 at the evening service, and there Christ found me. I am probably the only person who remembers the subject of that message that night, and I'll never forget it. I don't know of anything specific that was said that made the difference, but the Lord saved my life spiritually. I could tell that here was what has been missing. What did I learn as we continued here? I knew already I was a sinner. I, I didn't have any problem with that. But praise God, he showed me how very bad I was and without hope in myself at all. But he also showed me the only remedy and the only hope and applied it to my life, and that was Jesus Christ in his blood. And I can't get enough. As Jeremiah said, the word is the joy and rejoicing of my life. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, how can I possibly miss and miss the blessing that I would have if I came? Many times I felt like staying home, and there have been times when I was sick and I should have, but I have never regretted coming. Here at Beacon, the word has been opened regularly with faithfulness, clarity, and with the power and blessing of the Holy Spirit. Christ is lifted up and his beauty and his sufficiency are declared here. The message isn't always comfortable and you won't always be happy with what's said, but it's always nourishing, like bread when you're hungry and water when you're thirsty. Streaming this service is a blessing for those who can't be here and the Welcome Center meets a need sometimes, as I used it when I had foot surgery. But nothing compares with being actually in the sanctuary and worshiping with brothers and sisters. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is more evident there. I will be forever grateful.
to Pastor Bartman and the committed saints who organized this church, but above all, to the Lord who used and blessed all the efforts. In chapter 8, in verses 11 and 12, Amos said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. Who can doubt that the light of the gospel is going out across this land? Much that is left is entertainment, empty of scripture and man-centered. But God will not have his word completely gone. He always has a remnant, a few, a few places. And here, and here, the preaching is fervent and Christ is glorified. I hope you see that too, and that that's why you're here instead of someplace else. While the Lord tarries and the earth remains, I hope and pray and expect that Beacon will remain faithful. Suanne and I had only been married about a year when Pastor Barkman inquired about someone to help with the music and the worship services on Sundays here at Beacon. We were both in grad school at Bob Jones, and this looked like a great opportunity for a young couple to serve in a local church for a couple of years. That was 1984. <laughs> I had a decent grasp of music, but I certainly didn't know as much about the scriptures as I thought I did. We, along with a number of you, listened and learned through the systematic exposition of the Bible as it challenged our thinking about God and what it really meant to say that he's sovereign in everything. Salvation? Yes. Life events? Yes. Everything. Even sovereign over the things in which I thought I was in control. It was possible for us to come from Greenville every weekend by the kind and gracious hospitality of people who were able to open their homes and have a stay on Saturday night and Sunday. We had a lovely time here for about two and a half years, and then we let everyone know that a baby was on the way. <laughs> so we fully expected that our time of service and growing friendship was coming to a close, but the folks with whom we stayed said, hold on just a minute. We can get a portable crib and, and the baby, and it'll all be fine. I know Wendy Lynch was one of the ringleaders of that crowd. I don't know who else. So Marie was born and we kept coming, and then Nathan, and then Melissa, and then Matthew, and then there were six of us that somehow, inexplicably, some of you were able to keep in your homes. I couldn't have imagined how you would inconvenience yourselves to accommodate our family. You voluntarily opened your homes and made us comfortable. Some of you who served us who were the kids who gave up your rooms involuntarily. <laughs> or had extra visitors in your room or went to grandma's, all to show love and Christian kindness to this family. There were a few bumps along the way, like when this clumsy man fell down the stairs at the Barkman's house on Woodbury. The uh, only damage was to my pride and to the plant stand that Al Vestal had made that was on the landing at the bottom. So I look back over 38 years of history with this group of believers, and it's pretty easy to see that the ways of God are very wise and full of kindness. 
We've grown together with you in our worship and our understanding of the scripture. The kids, when they were little, thought it was normal to leave for church on Saturday night. Now as adults, they're still good at sleeping in the car. <laughs> but seriously, they learn from you what it means to show friendship and Christian hospitality. They learned in Sunday school and in church and in your homes what it means to be a Christian. From one generation to the next, this is the blessing of God. Psalm 100, the last two verses say, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and this is the part I want to emphasize, his truth endures to all generations. Sue Ann's father, Emery Bopp, was a lifelong visual artist and spent his career teaching art to students at Bob Jones University. As an artist, he expected to paint at least one piece in his lifetime that would be what he could consider a masterpiece, his lasting legacy. As he approached the end of his life, he saw that with his busy schedule teaching and mentoring students, he hadn't had time to devote to his personal works of art and to what he considered to be a legacy piece. Reviewing his life's work, he came to realize that the time invested in his students was worth that sacrifice. In fact, he understood that the students he taught and mentored are his masterpieces. One of those student masterpieces is here with us, Pastor Latour, another generation of artists who has spent his life investing in others. Among Pastor Latour's masterpieces are our kids, taught here at Beacon. At 50 years, we begin to see the, a bigger picture of God's design, bringing this pastor and a group of people together here to start a church that will be faithful to the Bible. In this way and in this place, we can begin to see more clearly how his truth endures to all generations. Jesus loves me, 
Thank you, all of those who have given testimonies, and we have some yet to come. Don't know how we're going to get all this in. What we're going to do is go a little bit longer in this service. We've got no place to go except to eat, and we can do that later. And we still won't get everybody in here. I suspected this was going to happen, so we made arrangements to hear the whatever testimonies remain in the fellowship hall. We've set up a platform sound system so we'll what we don't get in here we'll hear over there while we are eating I should alert you to the fact that uh, Lori Vestal Craig has accumulated the bulletin board to commemorate to commemorate our 50 years of anniversary 50 years of ministry it's down the hall to the left over there on the opposite side of the teen room wall and you'll want to go by there and take a look at it and Bonnie Coy, I forgot to tell you, we took down the missionary bulletin boards. <laughs> They're all on that electronic board now. We sure appreciate all you've done to take care of those boards over the years, but we can still use you to help us update the, uh, you know, getting the f updated photos and all that sort of thing. But yeah, all the missionary information is now on that uh, screen back there. We're trying to modernize what we can without compromising God's word and that's something we can do happily uh, I think I'll go ahead and have Dennis Riddell come now where's Dennis is he still here I'm looking Dennis uh, Dennis Riddell has come to be with us today Dennis and Polly are dear friends former members of our church he of course is a is our representative in Alamance County in uh, Raleigh, one of our stalwart, dependable, godly elected officials. He tells us that he flew a flag over the state capitol in honor of our church recently, and he's brought that. Dennis, would you come now? So good to have you. Well, thank you, Pastor Barkman, Pastor Carnes. Beacon family and friends. 
This is a good day, isn't it? It's a big day. And big days need to be commemorated. Big day for two reasons. First is you have a visiting politician who's not up for re-election. <laughs> that tends to be when you see folks like me. Seriously, two good reasons. The ministry this church had in our family's life is unmatched. There was a time in our family's life that we faced floodwaters for which there's no preparation. But this church, you kept my wife Polly and I's heads above water. And you ministered to us in a way that kept us going. A word about my wife. She is one of the strongest people I have ever met. And I would not be doing what I'm doing in Raleigh, Pastor, without her at my side. She serves as my legislative assistant. We get one whole staff person in Raleigh, and my wife is it. And she does a great job. Uh, when you should call us down in Raleigh, that sweet voice on the other end of the phone will not be me. It will be my beloved wife. So, Polly, thank you for what you do. We do this together, and I could not do it without you. Raise your hand, Polly, so people see you. There she is, back there. That's my polio. <laughs> when you think of civil government, we all are well aware of where we are as a nation. We are in a bad way. We are in a terribly bad way. There's two things you can do to help change that. The first is to continue your prayers for those in public office. Periodically, I get the legislator of the week uh, acknowledgement as being the topic of your prayer, which I greatly appreciate. That is probably the single most important thing you can do for those in elective office, is to cover them with prayer. We need wisdom. We need discernment to the times in which we live. Sometimes we just need a backbone, but we need your prayers. Secondly, to counteract the cultural decay that is around us, you need the gospel. That is the only thing that will bring ultimate change. I remember years ago in a couples class with Pastor Carnes, he reminded us that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And while the law can restrain some evil, while the law can prevent wicked hearts from engaging in certain activities, the law cannot change the heart. The only thing that can do that is the soul-winning gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what this church is about, Pastor. So I thank you for two accounts, for your prayers and for the ministry of taking the gospel out into this community. So without further ado, Pastor, I'd like to make a, a presentation. If you could step up here again, please. So what we have is a state flag of North Carolina that was flown over the state capitol in Raleigh and this accompanying certificate, which if you'll indulge me, I will read. North Carolina General Assembly. This North Carolina flag was flown over the state capitol building in Raleigh, North Carolina in honor of Beacon Baptist Church. In recognition of the 50th anniversary of the founding of this church 
and to honor the faithful service of Pastor Gregory N. Barkman, along with the many saints of God who steadfastly have co-labored in this ministry over the past five decades. To God be the glory, presented this 21st day of May in the year 2023. Well, what an honor, what an unexpected honor. I had no idea that flag was flying. Well, let's see, we're going to have to do a little altering here. We're going to kind of um, figure it out as we go along. I want to have Betty Massey next because she's here and I don't want to tire her out anymore. I didn't even know she would be able to make it, but she did with enormous effort. Uh, BJ is fighting cancer, lung cancer. And uh, she's one of our charter members, and I asked her to give a testimony if she could, and she's here. So, BJ, thank you so very, very much. Whatever my God ordains is right is a thought that has been on my mind daily for the last three or four months as I have not been feeling well. Excuse me. As a testimony, that statement has held true in my life. And I truly say, all that the Lord has done has been good for me, for my good, and for his glory. In 1972, our family was living on Ridgecrest Drive off Pond Road in Alamance Village. I'd been attending my childhood church faithfully with my two children since my daughter was two weeks old. And at that time, she was now three. When we moved, I wanted my children to go to church with people they would go to school with so they would feel comfortable. So I started visiting churches and ended up at First Baptist Church of Alamance. My dear friend Karen and her children visited with me because neither of our husbands would go. My first Sunday there, I was invited to visit Gerald Cannell, the Sunday school class. Donna Fawcett was the first person to ask me if I was saved. I didn't even know I was lost. I visited other Sunday school classes while there, but ended up feeling led to be in Gerald's Sunday school class. I never forgot going to my parents one Sunday after church and telling my dad that the Lord was coming back to her some, someday. Daddy said, of course he is. Billy Sunday used to come through Burlington and Graham all the time preaching the second coming of Christ. And all the churches would gather to hear him. I was so excited to learn God's word and to know that God was real 
and that there was a father, there was a son, and there was a Holy Spirit. Two weeks after that, I literally walked an aisle and made a decision that I wanted Christ in my life. However, there were some issues in the church that caused me great stress and heartache. As a 25-year-old who had just embraced the gift of salvation, I thought my life would be perfect. So thankful for the strong leadership of Gerald Counts, Ralph Fawcett, James Dunn, Alan Vestal, and others who thought of Pastor Bartman for a new pastor for our church. Many of us met together in Joe and Gail Davis' home and decided to call Pastor Bartman and see if he would consider, consider the pastorate at the First Baptist Church of Alamance. While candidating, Pastor Bartman preached a message about missing the mark and something about walking you across a tightrope in a wheelbarrow. And the application would be, would you trust someone else with your life? The church did not agree to have Pastor Bartman because of things, some things going on in the Southern Baptist Association. So the longer, stronger leadership of the church got together to prayerfully consider calling Pastor Bartman to lead our small group of believers. We visited other churches as a group on Sunday mornings for a while. So after Pastor Bartman agreed to come as our pastor, we started holding services at E.M. Holt School. Most of the rest of the story is now history. I'm so thankful for our church home, where we now celebrate 50 years of God's blessing. To God be the glory. Great things he had done. So loved he this world that he gave us his son. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, BJ, and for making the enormous effort to come here and be with us today. Well, I think I need to ask Daryl Michael Hannon next. He's also had some responsibilities relating to the chicken that we're going to eat later. <laughs> well, um, let's go ahead and take you, Daryl, and then we'll take... Bob Latour and John Spencer, and then we'll see. We may want to stop at that point and hear the rest over in the fellowship hall. But Daryl, you come ahead now with your testimony. It's a tough one to follow there. We love you, BJ. So, how does a boy growing up in a mill village in South Carolina whose parents confessed to be atheists at the time and believed that all Christians are hypocrites grow up to be a deacon officer in a Bible-believing Doctrines of Grace church? I'll give you two words, but God. These are powerful words. We recall Joseph telling his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring about the present result. These words are found in the Bible 45 times but are implicit all throughout Scripture as we see God protecting, preserving, and reconciling His children to Himself. 
My favorite but God verse is Ephesians 2, 3 through 5. I read it now. It says, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. When I was 10 years old, I asked my parents if I could go to church on Sunday. By the way, this was in 1973. My dad thought it was a safe place for a child and said that they would teach me some good principles, so I was allowed to go. We had a church within close walking distance to our house, so I got up early on Sunday morning, bathed, put on a suit that my parents bought for weddings and funerals, and walked to church. I started going on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. Three years later, I walked down the aisle during an invitation while I Surrender All was playing and prayed with the pastor and was later baptized. Was it an emotional decision? Was it public confirmation of something God had already done for me? All I know is here I am, 47 years later, still desiring to honor and serve him. I lived in South Carolina. Leanne lived a thousand miles away in Wisconsin, but God brought us together. I had a Southern Baptist background, and she was raised in United Methodist Church, but God brought us to where we are today. We were attending a Baptist church where the senior pastor resigned, and the associate pastor was fresh off the mission field and was a doctrines of grace guy. The church brought in a pastor that gave a shallow, feel-good message and invited him to be their pastor, and the associate pastor started a new church, and we were charter members. We learned the Second London Baptist Confession of 1689 to adopt as our official church doctrine. A new job brought us and our three children to a place we had never been in 2000 in Burlington, North Carolina. After we visited all the churches the people invited us to visit, we started to look for a church that we would actually consider for membership. Since that was before the internet and Google, you know, you, you can't search, you had to search a different way then, so I pulled out the phone book, went to the yellow pages, let my fingers do the walking, right? Looked under churches, Baptists, and then there was something, there was one that caught my eye. There was one church that listed the five solas. So if, uh, and if you know what that says, basically they state that Christians are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as revealed by scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. I said, well, this is speaking my language. I asked Leanna, I said, do you know where Kirkpatrick Road is? She said, no, why? I said, because we're going to visit Beacon Baptist tomorrow. So we took our kids to Children's Church and heard Pastor B exposit the word of God. So far, so good. Sounded good. He closed by saying, make sure to come back tonight as we'll be studying the London Baptist Confession of 1689. I looked at Leanne and said, hey, I think we found our church. <laughs> so later that week, we were visited by two wonderful saints, Gerald Counts and Jerry Gerald. We had already decided that Beacon was going to be our new church home, but they didn't know it. But seeing their love for the gospel and for truth and for people just confirmed to us that this was the right decision. This has been a wonderful love and church family that strongly supports missions, better than any I've had the pleasure of being associated with. The truth of God's word is proclaimed here every week. Pastor Bartman, Carnes, Latour, Strength, excellent expositors of God's word. We're grateful to have them. Folks, if you're here, you're in the right place. It's a dark world of deception, and the majority are not getting truth that we get on a weekly basis. We need to be more diligent to obey the Great Commission. Other people need to hear the truth that we hear on a weekly basis. Folks, we have the words of life. They don't, they don't have it out in the world. Uh, I want to end close with an illustration. There was a young boy walking along the beach with his grandfather. 
It'd take a few steps, a grandfather would pick up a seashell, throw it into the ocean. Took a few more steps, picked up another seashell, flung it into the ocean. Finally, the boy stopped and said, Grandpa, notice that as we were walking along talking, you would take these shells and throw it in the ocean. Why? And he says, because you see, the high tide comes in, washes shells up, and inside those shells there's tiny sea creatures. And if they stay on the beach, they'll bake in the sun and die. He said, so I'm helping them back to the ocean. So uh, the, son, the, the boy says, but there's hundreds, thousands. What difference does it make if you throw a few back? He picks up another one, flings it into the ocean, points out to the ocean. To that one, it made all the difference in the world. So you're inviting someone to church to start them on a path that could change their eternal destination from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And for that person, your invite could make all the difference in the world. Thank you, Daryl. Now I'm all discombobulated as to, did, did I say Bob Latour is next? Bob, if you would come next. And then John Spencer, where are you? At the back, okay. If you'll make your way up here, and then we'll take a look at the clock and decide if we're going to go further here or if we'll dismiss uh, to the fellowship hall. It's hard for me to believe that 45 years ago, Jane and I came to Alamance County. It's even harder for me to believe that in 2006, I joined the pastoral staff, and it's been a tremendous, tremendous privilege. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou hast saved and cleansed and filled me, that I might thy channel be. Just a channel full of blessing to the thirsty hearts around, to tell out thy full salvation, all thy loving message sound. Emptied that thou shouldst fill me, a clean vessel in thy hand, with no power but as thou givest graciously with each command. Channels only, blessed Master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. I want to bookend my testimony with a statement by the late Dr. Lee Robertson, founder of Tennessee Temple University. He said that everything rises and falls upon leadership. I use that quote realizing that it is God alone who sovereignly accomplishes his good pleasure in both men and in ministries. He most often does so through individuals whom he uses as channels of blessing. With that in mind, Jane and I are thankful for God's use of Greg and Barney Barkman in particular and the charter members in general. They've been the common thread from Beacon's beginning in 1973 to Beacon as we know it today. In 1978, when Jane and I became members of Beacon, we did so after visiting several independent Baptist churches in the area. In some respects, Beacon was similar to them. What sets this church apart was the commitment to expositional preaching, to local and worldwide missions, and to Bible-saturated music that prioritized giving glory to God. Without question, Beacon's development and success has been due to God's blessing of an unwavering commitment to the sufficiency and the centrality of the scriptures. Like every ministry, Beacon's history has some significant mile markers. One memory is front and center when it comes to my thanks for God's blessing on this ministry. I remember a church service in 1984 at the close of which Pastor Barton revealed to the congregation that he had cancer. I recall the men coming forward to pray for God's grace and mercy on his behalf. 
When I recently asked him about this event, he replied, my battle with cancer and the possibility of an early death produced a determination to declare these truths if he should grant me extended life. The truths to which he referred are the doctrines of grace. God mercifully extended his life. He prayerfully led the congregation to see the comprehensiveness of God's grace that permeates scripture and that guides the priorities and methods at Beacon Baptist Church. This decision took courage, conviction, and a commitment to teach the whole counsel of God, regardless of the possible outcome for his family within Beacon and within the local Christian community at large. He told me that he first came to see the truth of these doctrines in 1979, but it took the battle with cancer and a verse from the Lord during his stay in the hospital for him to realize that he needed to intentionally teach the truths that he'd come to embrace. The verse was Psalm 118:17, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I began this testimony with a quote, everything rises and falls upon leadership. Among many other things, we're particularly thankful for the leadership that God has provided to Pastor Bartman and Marty, as well as many other faithful pastors, teachers, and members through these past 50 years. I'm sure that their testimonies echoed in the song, Channels Only. Jane and I cannot help but wonder where our family would be in our spiritual growth had we taken another path 45 years ago. Psalm 118 begins and ends with, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. God's goodness has permeated the history of Beacon Baptist Church from its beginning in 1973 until now, 50 years later. All glory to God, great things he has done. As Beacon continues to be a gospel light in an ever-darkening world, may our collective desire be, not unto us, O oh Lord, not unto us, but do your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Actually, I've, uh, good morning, everybody. Actually, I've moved up about three pews in 26 years. <laughs> Linda and I live in Trinity, which is about 45 to 50 minutes uh, commute. We usually try to be on the, work, on the road in the morning by 8 o'clock, which gives us a time, uh, enough time to stop by Biscuitville, get a biscuit, and still allows us enough time to get here on time. Been coming to Bacon for 28 years. I remember for 26, we learned we learned about Bacon and were invited by David Beck. David and I worked together for several years and had both come into light in regards to God's sovereignty and the doctrines of grace. We spent a lot of time enjoyed, enjoyed a lot of time together, fellowshipping, traveling to and from projects. Why Bacon? I graduated from high school in 530-63, and I enlisted on the 31st, the very next morning. I can remember Linda still asking me, my wife now, you have to go now. My enlistment was completed in May 1966. These years were lean when it comes to growing spiritually. 
Uh, Linda and I got married in August of 1966, and we went to an independent Baptist church, which I had attended prior to going into service. They were Armenian, but at that time, I didn't know what an Armenian or Calvinist was, to be completely honest. Then we went through a period of spiritual growth, a period of several years, when Linda and I came into the knowledge of the, of the sovereignty of God and of the doctrines of grace. And we wanted to walk in the light that God had given us. We were hungry for the word and wanted to, wanted to continue to grow. Beacon was one of the churches that we visited which held the sovereignty of God. Why Beacon? We were looking for a church with a vision for missions and witnesses, uh, which Beacon did, not only locally, but around the world. Some people believe, since you're a Calvinist or believe, Calvinistic in belief, you don't believe in, in uh, missions or witness, which is absurd. Ridiculous. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. Matthew 28.19 and 20 says, Go therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, the end of the age. Why beacon? Spiritually, we'd be mainly exposed to topical preaching. But here at Beacon, not only topical, but also expository preaching, verse by verse through the books of the scriptures, verses in their context. What a blessing. I couldn't say enough about our pastors, Pastor Bartman, Pastor Carnes, Pastor Latour, Pastor Strength, and how God has used them through their preaching and teaching ministries. We wanted to continue to grow spiritually. Second Peter 3.18 says, But growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a continuing life process. It's not like once you're saved, your heart's open, ears, and all of a sudden, all the knowledge you're ever going to need is going to be funneled right into you. You can give answers just like this. It's a process of growth. Second Corinthians 17 says, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... He's a new creation. All things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Philippians 1.9, being confident of this very thing, that who has begun a good work in you will continue it into the day of Jesus Christ. We have been blessed not only with our pastoral staff, but also with teachers. And I have been blessed to sit under... Uh, the, uh, in, in Sunday school under the teaching ministry of several gifted men Pat Duncan, Buddy Warner Burl Bartman Thad Boyd Bob Latour, Kendi Lorge all which have been are very gifted and been called by God why Beacon? this is one of the questions we had when we first came to Beacon is how would we be received as outsiders or as fellow believers. Like no one here is like our next door neighbor. The only ones we really knew was David Beck. And we're not likely to run into you at the uh, grocery store unless you happen to be in the Trinity area. Uh, I can't, 
But Bacon was different. There was a different atmosphere. I still remember an individual who welcomed us when we first visited Bacon. And as I stood and shook his hands last Sunday, he was uh, still smiling, encouraging, and asking how things were going. Carl Henshaw. Since that first Sunday, we've been very welcomed by Carl, not only by Carl, but by many others, as we interface with fellow believers in the church. I come in on Sunday mornings, usually the first person I, I say is, and we usually get here fairly early, is Dane and Jan Vi. Jane's at the Welcome Center saying, Morning, John. Dane's there. Whether he's ushering or not, he's got a handful of bulletins in his hand, passing them out to people as they come in to the others get there. Marie Cardwell, Larry, Larry and Marie Cardwell, Dwayne and Lori Craig, this assembly, and there's many others here, this assembly is like family. We all are members of the body of Christ. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says, Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness and humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, as Christ forgave you, so you also do. But of all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God roll in your hearts, to which also you were called into one body, and be thankful that the, and be thankful that the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm an introvert. I don't meet people very easily. Now, Linda, my wife, she's just opposite. I used to joke with her quite a bit. Anytime we go out and go eat at a restaurant or something, it's like she never met a, met a stranger. I'd say the old Fern Young song, Hello Walls, I'd say, you'd speak to a wall. There was no one there, wouldn't you? And uh, so Beacon has helped me to make progress in this area. I still have a ways to go. Pray for me that I continue to grow in grace and knowledge in this area. That's what it's all about. Pray and encouraging one another in the Lord, sharing one another's burdens, always interfacing and ministering to one another. Another blessing is the beacon in the know, where you can call in your prayer requests for spiritual needs for loved ones and friends, and they are sent out to those on the list for prayer. And as a body, we can pray for them. It's also a means of praise. God does answer prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 17 said we're to pray for pray without ceasing. Thankful for live stream ministry of the church. We, when providentially hindered, services are available via internet. However, as Marie said before, there's nothing like assembling and interfacing with fellow believers. Why beacon? It's not just doctrinal stand, teaching ministry, support of mission, but missions, but a body of believers that love one another, care for one another, 
and a love for the gospel and sinners. We assemble together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in one accord. Linda and I are so thankful that God has placed us here at Bacon these past 26 years. Thank you. Thank you, John. I, I, I could have asked dozens of other people to give testimonies. I, I gave it quite a bit of thought. One of the reasons I asked John is because, of course, he and Linda have been traveling from High Point to be here and is more regular in attendance Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night than some of our people who just live around the corner. So I just wanted to hear what's keeping them coming that far that long. And uh, thank you, John for that testimony. All right, we have run out of time. I pushed it as, as far as I dare. According, if I've got my list marked correctly, we ne still need to hear from Joanna Isley, Bob Hendry, and Michael Wood. Is that correct? One, two, three. Is there anyone else that I'm not overlooking? Pardon? I think that's all of the assigned ones, and we'll hear them over in the fellowship hall. We will we'll have prayer for the meal. We'll, we'll uh, sing the closing song, the, uh, the benediction in song from N Numbers uh, 6. Uh, we'll be dismissed. Take your time. It's going to take a little while with this many people going through the line and so forth. Um, so don't get in a hurry. And we'll give people some time to eat before we start having more testimonies. We won't do that immediately. We'll give some time. But when everybody's fed. We'll, we'll, uh, or while pe some people are still getting fed, we'll get started with the last testimonies. And when those are done, if we're still, if there's, if there's still interest and there's others who, would, who have not been assigned but would like to take the opportunity, we'll leave the mic open and you can come and give your testimony as well. Don't forget on the way out to pick up one of these pens. We'd like, to, like for you to have one. It'll be a reminder of your day at Beacon. All right. Pastor Michael Carnes, would you come and thank the Lord for the food? And then we will sing, The Lord Bless You and Keep You. Let's pray together. Father, we bow to thank you for your grace that has permeated our lives and has changed us from the inside out and transformed us and you are continuing that work and we rejoice in it. Father, we have come into your gates with thanksgiving and we have entered your courts with praise. We've sought to offer the sacrifice of praise and we trust that it's been acceptable to you. Father, thank you for the years that this church has existed, we pray, our God, that you, our hand would continue to be upon it for the good of souls and for the honor and glory of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Thank you for this extended time of fellowship around the meal, for all the preparation that's gone in. Father, season our conversation with grace, and may you continue to be the center of our conversations, we pray in Jesus' name.